Hi, this is David Sweet, founder of Focus Core, and I'd like to invite you to take a look at our 2024 salary guide. It's a great resource for hiring APAC professionals wanting to know about the salaries for executive positions within Japan, as well as finding out information of what's important to attract the best talent in Japan. The salary guide is found on our website under About Salary Guide 2024. I hope you find this information useful for you and your company. Now, on to our podcast. So we did the Flanbrous Sword Dance. We were manly Morris dancers and we didn't have any we didn't have any bells or Welcome to the Focus Core podcast. I'm very pleased to welcome Simon Jelfs, Managing Director of Focus Core. To my mind, he's one of the best coaches and managers in the recruitment industry. He's a good friend, and for anyone who's read Sweet Success, he knows that uh, it's because of him that I morphed from a fat guy into a runner, and uh, so he changed my life for the better. Welcome, Simon Gels. Thank you, David. Great to be on the pod. This is my podcast debut, so really excited about the conversation today. And um, I, anybody who cannot see us, because we're not doing video, um, I'm wearing rugby shirt. Just uh, since you've got, you're very much into rugby, so I'm sure we'll, we'll. As an American, I'm going to ask ignorant questions about rugby today. Yeah, looking forward to covering rugby, and then also, I guess. We should mention the football last night with uh, Japan beating Germany 2-1. So, um, yeah, I I wasn't expecting that result and I'm hugely impressed by the performance of the Japan team. So we're in, I don't know when this will be released, but perhaps uh, Japan will have won the 2022 FIFA World Cup by the time this is released. That would be great. Certainly hope so. And, and we'll probably talk about running. But before we get into all the sports that everybody is waiting to hear, uh, why don't we talk about your history and introduce yourself to those few people who might not know you? Sure. So, so I'm 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 from the UK. I uh, I studied languages at university. So I, I studied French and Spanish at university, which included a year overseas on the Erasmus program. So I spent six months in business school in Zaragoza, in Spain, studying business in Spanish, and uh, six months teaching English in a French primary school. Hmm. And then in my last year at university, I saw an advert for the JET program. And yeah, for listeners who don't know the JET program, the JET program is run by the, the Japanese government and it basically brings fresh graduates from, from the US, the UK, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, a, a whole host of other countries o- over to Japan to work in, in schools and in local boards of education and in, in city halls. So I um I saw an advert. It was in the Guardian on a Tuesday, and um and I applied and um I, I came to Japan in 1997. So I spent I spent three years on the jet program. I was in uh, Udawa mm-hmm. in Saitama, um, home of the Udawa Red Diamonds, uh, J League soccer team, and um, had a great time on the on the jet program. And my my brother Patrick, he he was actually uh, working in Japan at the time. And whilst I was on the Jet program, I I had a call from a from a recruitment consultant telling me about a job. Um, I think the job was at Deutsche Bank at the time, um, and he was encouraging me to to quit the the Jet program to uh, to use my languages at Deutsche Bank. Which, 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 which of course, was, you didn't study German, but that's okay. Exactly. So, 
So yeah, I wasn't that confident of my German skills. But what what I did do is I, I later contacted uh, Steve, who'd who'd called me, the recruiter who'd called me, Steve Potaka, and um, I said, "Hey, uh, Steve, uh, I'm looking for a job. I hope you can help me." And I went down to visit Steve and some other people who were working with Steve, and then I guess the oldest trick in the game um i was i was i was told that yeah unfortunately i won't be able to find a job for you because you don't really have any business experience however if you'd like to try recruitment then um how about giving us a try so that was that was in that was in 2000 so so yeah going going to 2022 now so i've i've been in recruitment in japan for 22 years I've held uh, leadership positions in recruitment since 2003. Had a great time working with you, Dave, and a lot of other fantastic people at Wall Street Associates from 2001 to 2006 for me. Mm. And then, yeah, really happy I, I took up the challenge to work with you again from 2016 at Focus Core and uh, really enjoying building out the business. Just listening to your uh, your story, a lot we, we mirror each other a lot, uh, both studying languages. I studied German um, and studied in Germany instead of the, the Spanish and French that you had. Came over, you, I didn't realize you were in, you came to Japan a year before I did. All right, I didn't realize that. I always thought you were the senpai. No, and then I, but I joined Wall Street a year before you did. That was the, that was the flipper. And then, uh, yeah, so we've, uh, we've mirrored each other a, a long way and uh, it's been, it's been wonderful. What's it now jumping into business in Japan? What's uh, one of the things that you didn't expect about business when you, you know, when you started? Um, so I'm not sure if it's so much when when I started, but I mean just just some some recent things which have happened, which which I didn't expect to happen, um, because I think they're really exciting. So our partnership with IMA, uh, the Institute of Management Accountants, which uh, administers the the USCMA qualification so that that started this year i was actually preparing for a meeting with a global cfo and i i was on i was on google looking for some information or articles comparing the cfo function in a japanese company to a us or a european company and uh, i found an article written by Nina Michels Kim from IMA. And I reached out to her on LinkedIn. And we ended up, you know, from that striking up a, a partnership. We've co-hosted a, a webinar already. And then last month, Nina came to Japan. So mm -hmm. she she co-hosted our first face-to-face -face event for, for three years. Um, and then we're really excited about what our partnership with the IMA can offer our network of accounting and finance professionals in Japan, um, as it's a management accounting finance business partnering fo focus qualification. And that that side of accounting and finance is and will always be the, mo the most important. Mm. So I think on the last podcast, Nina brought a very nice omiyage, yeah. which is, you know, which is six months, uh, you know, free entry uh, to, to, to the USCMA uh, modules um, and, and, it, and information on the site. Or I think it was the Finance Academy, actually, hmm. um, it, it's called. But I'm excited to, to offer that kind of value to our network of accounting and finance professionals and on, on that what what about that didn't you expect i didn't expect things to move so quickly so 
I I literally just read an article and looked Nina up on LinkedIn, sent her a connection request with a very brief note saying, hi, I'm Simon, I read your article, thanks. And Nina responded very quickly, explaining a bit about her job, you know, as director of partnerships for Japan and Korea, and mm. suggested we have a call. And then on on the call, I think we um yeah we quickly realised that we we could both offer value to each, to each other's organisations, and um, yeah we've we've had regular calls and put plans in place, and then been able to execute on those plans quickly. That's great. What else? Didn't you expect them? I didn't expect that Nina would be able to come over face to face so quickly, right? I mean, we we haven't had a face we hadn't had a face to face event for three years. So Nina contacted me, and I mean, it was a couple of months ago, and said, "Yep, yeah, I'm coming. I'll I'll be here in I'll be here in six weeks' time." I'm doing a Japan event. I'm doing a Korea event. It's a it's a roadshow. Um, you know, let's go. So William Cruz on our accounting and finance team, he he kind of project managed the you know arranging of the event, hmm. and um, yeah, he 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 did a fantastic job. We had we had seventy people uh, show up on the day, and you could just tell. The excitement of the attend the attendees to to be at a face to face event after so long. That's great. After all these zooms and teams calls, so it's pretty amazing that uh, from in such a short time that you could uh, build up such a, a strong partnership, which uh, speaks loads to to you and uh, what your dedication to to creating those partnerships. What about in your job? What's a, what's a common myth about your job? A common myth about my job. Well, I immediately think of two. So, one is I I often get the impression that clients and yeah, business people outside of the industry think that recruitment is easy Mm. and the reality is doing what we do in japan which is specialized recruitment so you know we're we're finding candidates who are bilingual have specialized experience in accounting and finance or supply chain or hr or, or or marketing have a solid track record and are interested in working for our client that's pretty challenging Mm. Um, but I, I I definitely get the impression from yeah many of our, our clients and other business people I talk to that yeah it's just kind of easy you you just these candidates they 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 just kind of pop up and you just kind of make the introduction and then and then yeah suddenly they just join join a company um, but there's a whole lot of work uh, mm. which goes on. Uh, behind the scenes to make that happen and it's um it it's it's tough to do and there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good challenging work uh to to get these outcomes and then the the other one is that recruitment is an individual sport so i i would definitely say it's not i th- i think there there is a kind of image or a, a perception of a kind of lone wolf recruiter uh being you know very focused on him or or herself only mm. working long hours getting the you know getting getting the job done uh you know working you know work working hard long hours and then maybe uh yeah maybe exiting the industry after after three to five years but based on on my experience, yeah, recruitment is is absolutely a team sport. Mm. Um, pretty much all the all the successes that happen in 
in our business now and any recruitment business I've I've worked in have have been based on based on team play, information sharing, uh, you know, communication, working together to a common goal. Interesting. That's a lot to uh, lot to unpack on that. I think the first one with uh, the recruitment's easy. It's interesting because I I believe everybody knows it's difficult, and that's why the fees in Japan are high. So mentally, clients, companies, uh, HR professionals understand that, and yet. They call up a recruiter and they expect a silver bullet. And it, it's going to be easy. You're, you'll have that uh, CFO plucked out of the air because you have thousands of them just sitting there waiting, anticipating that specific job that you're you're working on, which is never the case. My, my favorite question that uh, companies ask when, you, when going in and introducing themselves is, how big's your database? <laughs> and it's like, well, it doesn't really matter in a lot of cases because if you're only looking at, say, active candidates, there's only going to be a handful of active candidates in Japan at any one time that fit your needs. And oftentimes it's the passive candidates that you have to go out and and get anyway. And that's certainly not easy. And headhunting is becoming a, a lost art. Absolutely. That's, that's definitely a team sport um in in that area so yeah i i think that's uh that myth is quite rampant and i think it's globally as well uh about Absolutely. that about expertise in recruitment what's you know for your role now what's your biggest challenge that you're facing and, and how are you you tackling that yes i think we've we've touched on it already but you know J- japan's talent pool so i've I've been in recruitment for for over 20 years and um I think it's now harder than ever before to to find the talent that our our clients are asking us to find. So with 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 that in in the last 18 months we we've been transforming our business to a retained service. Mm. So as as someone who has a long experience in recruitment in Japan, but most of the work being on a contingency basis until the last the last eighteen months, mm. I, I'd say that's 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 been a challenge, right? So there are, yeah, there are. Of course, it's still recruitment, but there's um, yeah, there, there's a slightly different approach, uh, which, which is required, um, which which presents challenges but most importantly benefits to to clients to candidates and to to our colleagues at focus call when you say a slightly different approach why don't you unwrap that a little bit what what do you mean by that sure so so we've 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 retained so we're, we're the only agency who who is working on the role so we the role is 100% exclusive to us so with contingency if you speak to companies now uh, they're often dealing with between 20 and 50 different mm. recruitment agencies and for for these roles, a lot of the time they're using a, a portal, right? Where where recruiters up, upload, uh, you know, the the CV um, to to the portal, and oftentimes clients don't even meet uh, with recruiters to share the brief of of the role that they need to recruit for. Whereas transactional, right? Yeah, in, exactly. Incredibly transaction, transactional. Whereas with with retained, you have a committed and engaged client who you are working with towards a common goal. You have a kickoff meeting with all stakeholders involved. You have a weekly progress meeting, 
to 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 make sure the project stays on track. On on our side, with with Focus Core, we have we have a team for each mandate in place, which which involves typically three headcounts in Japan, and then and then one overseas dedicated to the specific search, following a robust process to find the right talent at the right time. Um, one one of the challenges. So when I, I listen to that, if I'm a client, I'm going to hear that and go, "Yeah, sounds a bit uh, um, risky for me to put all my eggs in one basket." If you're dealing with, I mean, logically, wouldn't it make sense? You got twenty recruiters, companies working on a open position versus having one i i understand the time savings right if i'm hr i don't want to deal with 20 people so that's an easy sales pitch to someone but i would think well you got the 20 companies you're going to get uh i'll, I'll get a lot more resumes coming through the door yeah it's a lot more administration for the hiring manager or the hr person but it's less risk how, how do you tackle that? What I yeah, mean, how would you answer that, right? Possibly, but but what what I would say with that is, if it's a contingency job, mm. right? So the the company is dealing, for example, with with twenty different agencies, and they they share that role with twenty different agencies, <clears throat> then one person at each agency might work on the role maybe for a couple of days mm. but but often they they would have their own job grading system where they say this is an a job this is a b job this is a c job mm. and because of the skill set that the the client happens to be looking for or or the location or the salary or the perception or the perception of the company they would quickly downgrade that job to a c job mm. and the client would have 20 to to 50 for example agencies not focusing and not committing any resources to those jobs so the agency might might see yeah, some 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 active candidates, but they won't be the best candidates. Whereas with with a with a retained approach, you're you're gaining access to passive talent. Mm. So the 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 robust process of having four people, you know, working on the search mm. would would give the client access to passive passive talent. People who are who have the skills, the experience, the track, the track record, but they're not necessarily applying for a job on LinkedIn, and they're not necessarily actively hiring. So mm -hmm. that to me is the the main benefit. And, and listening to you, to you speak and what you said previously about uh, the challenge of your field, it sounds like every job in Japan's a C job. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I need a bilingual uh, 40 year old with a stable background in a specialized, uh, you know, in your finance or your HR, <laughs> that makes every job really hard to fill, I would imagine. Exactly, because Japan as a country doesn't really do a great job of producing bilingual talent, right? Mm -hmm. So even if your job is in, Tokyo um yeah you're you're looking for a 35 year old financial analyst who's a native Japanese speaker with business level English and a solid career and solid qualifications and interested in applying to your role yeah I'd say that's a C job <laughs> yeah so what um let's let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about uh, uh something that you've written on and been interviewed about, which was the great resignation. Um, talk a little bit about your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, sure. So I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn a couple of years ago. And um, after the article as well, I was I was contacted by a reporter from the American Chamber of Commerce Japan. And he he fe- he featured my comments in an article as well. But yeah, I just I just found that to me, COVID brought many positive changes to, to lifestyle and work style mm-hmm. to Japan that never would have happened without COVID. Mm. So, you know, to this day, many companies now, they they have either full work from home or hybrid work style. If you'd asked me if that would have happened ever in uh, early 2019, I I wouldn't have believed you. Mm. Um, In terms of like our industry, I think it, it changes the game, obviously, because candidates and, and clients can do all their meetings online if they want to. Yeah. If, 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 if you're a candidate and you're, you're looking for a role, you no longer have to get that train from Kamiacho to Shinjuku for your 7.30 p.m. interview. You, yeah. you, you, you can do it in the comfort of your own home. And if you want to, you can do multiple interviews on, on, a, on any given day. Mm. Um, you know, other, other than that, I think what's interesting is, you know, parents being able to be more present in family life. Yeah. So I live, I live out in Scuba in, uh, in Ibaraki Prefecture. And um, I could see, you know, dads becoming much more involved in their, in their children's lives. And yeah. on, a, on, a, on a weekday, you know, when the kids come home from school, take them to the, to the park, have a quick quick kick around. You know, with the football. Uh, you know, walk walk their walk their kids to school, and then, you know, from from my wife Naomi, who you you know well, you know, chatting to the housewives in the neighbourhood. I think the opinion was, yeah, there's some positives coming out of COVID here. <laughs> I've I've I've. I've got someone helping me at home, right? And um, yeah, I, I see that as really positive. And then the other one, just in terms of, you know, candidates and clients in my network who've who've moved out of Tokyo. Mm. So I know people who've moved to Karuizawa or to Hayama or to or to Scuba, where I live, because they they know that they can either work from home or or have a hybrid hybrid model um yeah. a more comfortable like you know home a more comfortable li- lifestyle and then also i think you know that should also help with regional revitalization as well mm-hmm. we were uh, i know you and i had uh, dinner last week with a, a large company and uh they where a big name used to be kind of attractive to work for, it's becoming less attractive. Um, I think you you'd mentioned that as well, and that these companies, if they're forcing their employees to go back to work uh, in the office, that it's that's definitely a turnoff for for em- employees to go back or go to those those big names. Um, and I think that's going to be a huge shift as well with with companies and where employees choose to work. Absolutely. So if you if you post a job online now, right? Like one one of the most important things you need to post is what's the actual work style. Mm. So it's in terms of questions coming from candidates, it's up there with title and salary, right? Yeah, and then candidates are judging how companies answer that question right so you know does that company have a clear policy can the hiring manager tell me what the clear policy is are there any difference you know from department to department candidates can can smell what the reality is mm. on the, on the work style and it's another yeah going back to what we were talking about before it's another layer of complexity Right, which 
which makes sourcing talent in Japan so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I would you know, I'd add to that is that those companies that are finding success in a hybrid model, there's a couple of things. One, I find that employees are better with time management. They, it's not, it's certainly not less hours necessarily, um, but they're different hours. The second is that their management style tends to be much stronger and better because there's a lot we've, we've challenged, especially in Japan, managers to work by outcomes, which is a new style of management. I know a lot of domestic companies where it used to be hands-on, you need to be watching your staff, you need, the staff need to be watching you, otherwise it's just not going to work. And that's just fallen away with the, the resignation, right? This, this new kind of working style. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's, uh, what's uh, in, your, in your career, what's the most important lesson you've learned? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a really simple one, but just, just bounce back ability. So I, th- I think know, I posted something about bounce back ability last week. Yeah. I mean, always seeing the positive in, in any situation. So I think back, back in the good old days at, at Wall Street Associates, like one of Nick Johnston's stock phrases, which, you know, sticks with me today is it's never as bad as it seems and it's, <laughs> never, and it's never as good as it seems either. Which, I mean, it, it just couldn't, it just couldn't be more true. Yeah. And, you know, you know, in our industry and I'm sure in many other industries, right. You, you know, every day you're going to get bad news, right. You, you know, you know, it's coming right. Several times to get times a day, but what you can do is, you can control how you react to that. Mm-hmm. So I think the the key the key thing is to always see the positive in 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 the situation you're dealt with, and you know get ready for the next play as soon as possible. Right? It's like if you're a, yeah if if you're a, if you're a, a cricket player or a or a baseball player, right? The the ball the ball's gone. Get ready for the next ball. <laughs> Don't worry about that ball that's gone. There's another ball coming. So, so get ready and get a plan together. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I know I had, uh, this is going to be a rabbit hole. I went down this rabbit hole with uh, Will, the podcast with William Neely. We, we talked a lot about uh, sport. What's a uh, sport and career? What's that inter- intermingling of sport and career in your mind? How, how do they, they mix? So in my mind, yeah, I mean they're they're one and the same. <laughs> <laughs> to be to, to be honest with you, yeah. um, and I've I've become more aware of that the more experience I've I've had right mm-hmm. in 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 business. So I I have a lot of leadership experience of of teams in work and in sport, and yeah, one of the things that I think you always said to me, Dave, which I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent aware of until until recently because I didn't really realize I was doing it. But you always said I was a natural coach. Yeah, <laughs> and um, one of the best coaches in uh, recruitment, probably globally. Yeah. So at, I guess at the time I didn't really know what I was doing. I. I thought I was just having conversations, <laughs> which I tend to do in my job a lot. Um, but yeah, look, looking back, I think I've, yeah, I've I've been coaching, coaching employees, and yeah, also coaching candidates mm-hmm. and uh, and and clients, you know, for for a very long time. So I I certainly do that in sport as well. So I, you know, I've held leadership positions in sport as a as a player as a as a captain um and then yeah now i i coach rugby um coach my son's rugby team at at, at weekends which is very which is very challenging but um yeah i i see it 
I see sport and and business as one and the same, basically. Mm. If uh, just a, a small plug for you, if uh, someone wanted to follow what you're doing on your rugby as a as a rugby dad in the world, where would they want to follow you, Simon? I'm so glad you brought this up, Dave. <laughs> So please subscribe to Just a Rugby Dad in Japan. So you'll see a kind of variety of different content on there. It's on it's on YouTube. There are rugby videos, but there are also just other random videos of random Japan through a rugby dad in Japan's eyes. Yeah. So it's a project me and my son Hugo started so as a as a parent I uh I found myself getting frustrated with the amount of time my kids spend on YouTube (laughs) and I I was having a conversation with I think it was with Corey actually and um I was explaining how I was competing with YouTube and I saw my job as competing with YouTube and it was one of those conversations. And then it was like, yeah, but how realistic is that? Mm. Like, are you really going to beat YouTube? That's probably not a realistic fight, right? Yeah. So then I quickly switched and I was like, hey, uh, Hugo, let's make a YouTube channel. Mm. And he just got so excited at the thought of making a YouTube channel. He was like, what, you're going to make a YouTube channel? We can make a YouTube channel? I'm like, yeah, let's do it right now. Let's get some content. So, um, yeah, we're we're, we're midway through. I think we've got about 30-odd videos on there, and we've got about 38 subscribers. So please do give me and Hugo a follow, Just a Rugby Dad in Japan on YouTube. Thank you. We'll we'll have a link to that in the the show notes. So, Thank um, you. So listeners will get to that. And I know... uh, you know, sport is important to you. We, I, when we started uh, sales back in the day, the Wall Street. I don't know where we came up with the idea, but I think it was a brilliant one. I think it's still spot on. As we thought, uh, healthy salespeople are better than unhealthy salespeople. We, we just thought, oh, so let's get healthy. Let's get into sport, and I think that's part of where I started running. Yeah, because we, we just didn't like the image of sales people hung over going out on the piss at night and it wasn't it wasn't about that it was about you know let's let's be healthy let's we're going to have more energy we're going to be a team and it's and it's exciting stuff in your mind talk around you know that image of team versus individual and and that importance in your business or in in business in general how how do you see that yeah, again, again, like the coaching comment, I, I maybe didn't really realize it at the time, but look, looking back, I think I've, I've always put the team first mm. uh, b- before myself. So be that at work, or be that, be that in sport. I, in the working context, you know, I absolutely love training new hires, seeing the potential they have when they come in. And like helping them achieve their goals, right? We have mm-hmm. we have many success stories already with with Focus Core, and then just you know building building recruitment teams, and you know moving through different stages as we develop teams, and then of course you know facing challenges as well, like you know the the Lehman the Lehman shock in two thousand and eight, and you know the earthquake in uh, in two thousand and eleven. But I think it's, you know, it's not always the case in recruitment, you know, to, to work as a team. There, there are many, many companies out there um, and many, you know, we'll, we'll get many applicants who the, the reason they want to leave the company, that the, the recruitment company that they're working for at the moment is because they want to work as a, as a team, right? Um, so I think if you... Yeah, if you if if you focus on the on the on the team goals and you know client service, yeah, you know of the team and and service service to candidates, you'll um, yeah, you'll you'll often end up doing way better personally too. 
You're you ba- you basically helping each other to uh, to success, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we've always, well, it's one of our values at Focus Core, but it's something you and I have always shared as a value in our career. And it's it was always non-negotiable. Yeah. It was like, this, we are, we'll work as a team and that that's how it, how it goes. And if you can, if you're going to be a lone wolf, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, you you want to have stars. Don't get me wrong. You want to have that, you know, pro forward or the, the, the quarterback that, uh, that your star player. Yeah. You don't, I don't mind star players, but they need to be on the team. Well, I think you, yeah, of course you want star players, but you don't want dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair enough. We'll put that in a quote somewhere. I think. Well, that'll probably be one of the standouts on our, our when we we post this. Um, we don't want dickheads, and I think it's it's good. To, it's good to have in your job description. Probably it reminds me of the Google "Do No Evil." Right. Well, I think it's um, it, it's pretty well known as one of the All Blacks rugby team's rules, right? So. Yeah, it's pretty well known. It's a no dickheads policy. Nice. Yeah. What's a one lesson that your job has taught you? You think everybody should learn at some point in their life? I think just the you know the importance of long term relationships, the mm. importance of face to face relationships. Mm. You know, taking the time to get on the train and meet people for a coffee or a lunch. And really understand, you know, where they're at and and why, you know, that's where they're at and, you know, how you can help them and then, you know, helping each other as well. Right. So just as an example for me, you know, moving to Scuba, which I did 12 12 years ago, Mm. um, I actually kind of, you know, the first kind of reason I started thinking about moving to, to Scuba was from meeting a CFO at the time um Mia Masusan um who yeah he he was he had his family he had his family in in scuba uh British wife couple of kids and this is before the scuba express was was made right and he'd he'd like work weekly in Tokyo and head home at weekends and um you know that that got me interested in it as a as a place um because now Naomi's from um from Ibaragi as well um but you know when we were in the process of of buying the house as well me and Masu Sam was able you know he was able to give me advice and check with a local local estate agent so you know you're 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 helping each other so I just think you know long long-term relationships are the are the key and you will see people change over time yeah right so I've 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 met candidates like, you know, when I was in in my twenties and they were in their twenties, and we're still in touch now, and we've 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 been on journeys together, right? And yeah. our relationships changed over that time, and it's 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 really cool to still be connected. Yeah, yeah I agree. That. Well, I mean, you and I've been doing this for twenty years, and get uh, and a lot of the candidates and clients we know we've done their yeah. watch their yeah. kids grow up, and it's quite amazing. Let's, yeah. I'm, I'm, let's, I'm, let's do something new. I've never done this on a podcast, but I've heard it. And uh, you're going to be the first person I'm going to try this out. We're, we're going to do a speed round. Fantastic. So, so I'm going to ask you five questions. Bam, bam, bam. And uh, you give me your answer, okay? So you're looking for a short answer. I'm short guessing. answers, right? Okay, and let's go. We haven't prepped this. I'm, I'm just, you know, this is on, on the cuff. If you had, uh, I'll give you the easy ones first. 10 times budget that you have now, what would you spend it on? Learning and development. Nice. Uh, for focus core stuff. Wow. Oh, what's your favorite band? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Best podcast. The rest is history. Favorite book. Oh, that's a hard one. Stumped you. There's there's so many, there's so many. Uh, sweet success. Yeah, sh- yeah, it's got to be sweet success. The Chinese edition. <laughs> Cricket or rugby? That's really tough now because it's changed. Rugby. 
Oh, there you go. So you, so you did that. Yeah. One other thing, when we were prepping for this show, and I think this is important, it needs to go in this podcast. One of the things that I, I didn't really realize that we share in common is that, um, well, you might not know. I When I was in high school, I did get a letter. But it, we call that uh, in in the U.S. when you you play sport or you, you get a letter on your on a yeah I've heard of that yeah so I did letter but I, it was not in a sport it was actually in German and Russian dancing fantastic yeah because I was uh, and and for some reason our my high school in Denver gave us a I, I was able to get a letter letter for my uh, for a jacket on the in German and Russian dancing but you also have been. Uh, known to do some dancing you, you're a, you're a Morris dancer thanks so much for bringing that up see I, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't aware that's where you were going and I was going to suggest that maybe at the Christmas party you might do some German or Russian dancing but I've kind of created a trap <laughs> for myself now yeah so from 1997 to 2000 I was a Morris dancer in in Japan so had a, had a group of Morris dancers, really? the, the, the Saitama Jets. And we, um, yeah, we traveled all around Japan, you know, visiting cultural festivals um, and, yeah, Morris dancing. It, we, we even Morris danced at the British Embassy for, uh, oh. for, for, for royalty. We went, up to, we went up to Nagano. We went up to uh, Sendai. So for, fortunately, just one of, one of my... My jet colleagues Tim Clifton, he uh, yeah he used to Morris dance back in the day in Chester, and he was he was able to to get the tapes at the time. I think they were tapes or maybe CDs. Um, and you know <laughs> we 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 trained at a community centre a couple of times a week to get up to speed, and then yeah then we went on our roadshow. So I don't know if you've seen Morris dancing, but. The kind of stereotype with Morris dancing in the UK is bells and whistles. Yeah. But um we were manly Morris dancers and we didn't have any we didn't have any bells or no hankies, not whistles. Yeah. It was like bells or or hankies, yeah. So we did the Flambra sword dance, which was wow. okay. which was very cool. And uh, are you are you keeping up on your Morris dancing role or is something you'll you'll hand down to your your kids? Uh, well, yeah, we'll just kind of leave that chapter in the in the late nineties where it belongs. But it's it's certainly it's certainly a team I've been on, which I'm very proud of. And and I certainly didn't think when I came to Japan I'd be Morris dancing. Absolutely. Is there anything that uh, we haven't covered that uh, I, I should have asked you? Um. I think we've, I mean, we've covered most things, just like a comment on my side, you know, you mentioned running and, you know, that photo you shared recently when you were back in Florida um, of of ourselves, like a, a run in Japan, I think it must have been in the early 2000s with yeah. Riley and Tetsuya. Yeah. I mean, fantastic, right? I mean, like how many marathons have you done since then? How many ultra marathons have you done since then? I mean, you meant you you mentioned me as someone who kind of got you into running, but you've really, really, really got into running since then. <laughs> Runaholics Anonymous, I, I will be joining. Yeah, it's I impressive. Think, uh, I mean, I remember anybody who wants to to know how to run and learn how to run. Simon was a wonderful teacher, and you always said, "Okay, go out and run." You gave me tips and tricks of things that I didn't know that would happen to my body. We did uh, you and eased it into a 5K and then a 10K, which Naomi's already jumped straight to a 10K, your wife, which proud of her. Yeah, amazing, right? Who would have predicted that? And then going through and running my first half marathon with me. And, yeah, and, and I you know, teach me how to pace that. Um, and then just marathon after marathons. Um, but then doing the seven marathons in seven days, you came along for the ride in that, which uh, I appreciate. You did uh, when we did the focus core uh, um, marathon uh, during COVID, uh, the Christmas yeah. marathon. Yeah, participated. So we've been we've done a lot of marathons and runs together. So it's uh, it's been a fun run, as you would say. And I'm sure yeah. there's many more kilometers in in our 
in our feet. And I'm looking forward to a run, first run post-COVID in a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. In Shonan. Is it Shonan? Yeah. Full, full marathon, right? So never, yeah. never run that. So um, I will put uh, we'll, we'll put our favorite uh, running links in the notes, show notes. We got uh, we've we've talked about William Neely, Nick Johnston, uh, Corey. Well, and uh, we'll put links to to their podcasts. We'll put a link to your YouTube channel. We'll put a link to the IMA so that our listeners could sign up uh, for that as well. So there's a lot of information uh, in the show notes. So please yeah, give the- that listen. Yeah, that's great. Just just on my side, just I just realized it's Thanksgiving Day, right? So let me oh, uh, Yeah, let me give let me give some thanks. So firstly, thanks Dave for your partnership over the years. Thank you. Looking forward looking forward to that continuing. And then as we covered like the sports theme, let me let me thank the Saitama Morris dancers. Let me uh let me thank the Wall Street Geckos football team. Nick Johnson sponsored our football team back in the day. I remember that, yeah. The, the Paddy Foley's cricket team, the uh, the Knights in White Lycra. Yeah, they, they, helped get, uh, they helped me get to the seven marathons in seven days. Knights in White Lycra, thank you. Right, um, Namban Lengo, right, yeah. of course. And then, um, yeah, my local rugby team now, the Scuberians Rugby Club. So, yeah, let me say thank you. Looking forward to, to more good times. Lots of thanks. Well, thank you for being here on Thanksgiving Day. Let's uh, go and have some turkey and cranberry sauce. Sounds good. Let's go.